This podcast is presented by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at PacificOffice.com. Into the end zone for the touchdown. Hollywood Brown has been spectacular. Connor to the five and into the end zone for the touchdown. Welcome to Cardinals Underground, presented by Pacific Office Automation. Visit PacificOffice.com. Problem solved. Touchdown, Kyler Murray. That defender is in multiple pieces. Oh, that was nasty right there, right? The latest news and notes from the insiders who cover the team. Bring it on, bring it on. Touchdown, Saban Collins. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. I ain't scared of nobody. Here's Paul Calvisi. Well, this is the one time of year where we take roll off the top of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, not just because here in Arizona school started a couple of weeks ago, it's because moments ago the final cuts were released. So let's see who's present and accounted for. Paulie Podcast here, Danny Sarek. She's here. I'm I'm here. Oh, sorry, present. <laughs> Whoa. Well, gave everyone a scare. Yeah, it really did. I, I wasn't. I wasn't Dramatic sure if you pause. were naming everyone in wow. the room or you wanted. No, she didn't. Would, he, he did name everybody, was, and then he was waiting for you to. Sorry, sorry uh, present um, here. The, the Danny Shrek fan club had a momentary. Uh, you know, <laughs> was could have gotten scary. Wow. Okay. There's no fan club. All right. oh, Someone there, did have me sign a poster a at the game, there's and I warned club. him oh. that I was devaluing his sign, and he did not seem to care. Also, my signature was horrible because I've never signed any. I think I've signed one thing before. So if you're listening, sorry for that. Have you ever had to sign a football? It's happened on a rare occasion here or there, and uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. It's a skill to be able to take a Sharpie and really, you know, put down the old John Hancock on a football. Especially if it's one of those pebbled ones. It's Yes. So uh, I have much respect to uh, the Larry Fitzgeralds of the world who just do it effortlessly and seamlessly, the uh, autograph situation there. So uh, we take roll because guess what? The, uh, I'm here, by the way. Yeah, Darren, come on now. We, look, See, that's uh, why I was waiting. You didn't. I didn't know if yeah, you were going to say Darren's yeah. name after He was mine. going to, but then we got, we got sidetracked. I figured we heard with the voice. With your autographs, all your autographs. What's new? Yeah, unless it was AI and it was Darren's voice being replicated in some sort of scam over the phone. Uh did you see that whole story recently about, uh, anyway, that's a divergence either. <laughs> yeah. Here's the deal. Um, there's a lot to talk about that we didn't really see coming. And it's not just on the old, get out your bingo card, Danny, not just on the final 53 in the list. It's the whole quarterback situation because nothing preempts the quarterback competition. And when I said going into camp that I would not hesitate to fan the flames of a quarterback competition slash controversy. You did do that, Paul. I never, ever thought it would quite go this direction. Threw Colt right under the bus, you did. Oh, boy. So the way I see it right now, if you want a one-sentence summary of where the Cardinals stand less than two weeks before the week one opener at Washington, the starting quarterback job is Josh Dobbs to lose. True or false? True. I'm going to say true at this point. They went out and they made the deal. It wasn't too far removed from the final joint practice in Minnesota, which we'll get into in a minute, because I do think there was cause and effect. I got pushback on that from Drew Stanton on the Red Sea Report. That's cool. I'm still holding my ground at what they saw there or did not see from Cole McCoy against the number one starting defense from the Minnesota Vikings, and Brian Flores, the ultra-aggressive defensive coordinator who was dialing it up. 
And now all of a sudden, you have two, count them, two quarterbacks on the roster where 48 hours ago you had six. The question is, how long will you stick with two? I'm thinking you will. And it's going to be Joshua Dobbs and Clayton Toon in that order. I, I, I could see that. I, I, don't, I don't think as we sit recording this right now and Joshua Dobbs having not yet taken the practice field, I don't think it's a lock at this point. But you would figure that, that he's got some experience, limited as it is, quite frankly, because it is. Um, he has two career starts. Both were at the end of last season. He's thrown, what, 85 passes in his career? On very short notice. He had to go into Tennessee on eight days preparation and start two games. Yeah. Um, It was a lot better than Malik Willis. That's true. I I would – look, I think there's a a good chance Joshua Dobbs is the quarterback, but but we will see. I I think at this point – I think it's setting up to be a very, very interesting season because you look at the makeup of this roster and there's guys that they've moved on from and – guys that uh, they've traded and all this stuff. And, I mean, the last time we talked, Isaiah Simmons was still on this team. So um, it, there's just there's a lot going on with this team, and there's been a ton of change since last year, and quarterback is only the, the beginning part of it. Unless there's a quarterback you had word that's getting cut that you can pick up. But even still, I, I don't know what quarterback – would be that much higher above what Josh Dobbs brings. What's interesting to me about having just Dobbs and Tune right now is that you also put Kyler Murray on the pup list to start the season, which means he can't play and he can't practice for the first four weeks. For at least the first at four least weeks. the first four weeks. But even still, if you're going to take him off the pup list that Monday after you play San Francisco at the first chance you get, the first chance you get. Are you going to have Kyler Murray play after one week of practice? So what's interesting to me is if it's trending, like you're not going to get your starting quarterback until let's say week six or eight ish. I'm just guesstimating here. Now you're rocking with Josh Dobbs for six to eight weeks. Whereas this might've made a little more sense to me if you weren't going to start Murray on pop and you were only going to have to rely on a Josh Dobbs or a Clayton tune for three or four weeks. But since that doesn't seem like that's going to be the case, at least won't be the case for four weeks, it's it's interesting. I, and not to say it doesn't make sense when you look at what Colt McCoy had left in his arm, had left in his legs, how it doesn't really seem to fit what his coaching staff is looking for in a quarterback. It's still just an interesting move. Obviously, it's an interesting move. I think it tells you a lot of kind of where they were with Colt McCoy, uh, quite honestly, and and – we know that this team reached out to Joshua Dobbs and tried to sign him as a free agent. Couldn't get that done. He went back to Cleveland. Otherwise, he would have been on this team already. So it's, again, it's it's hard to get a good handle on it because Jonathan Gannon is so vague about when he talks about stuff. But we can, it goes back to what you said before, Paul, which is I think ultimately Joshua Dobbs can very well win this starting job and probably will. And if not, fifth-round rookie Clayton Toon's going to be your quarterback. When pressed by the media, Jonathan Gannon simply said, there's a plan, and you're on a need-to-know basis, and no one will know who the starting quarterback is until game day, that the starting quarterback will run out with the first-team offense upon the first possession in Washington. 
let's face it, Paul, that's going to come out before that. It will probably, come out. probably not from yep. any of us, but uh, some agent yep. is going to tell some national reporter, and it will be on Twitter somewhere. Yep. An insider, X, it'll be on X somewhere, and an insider to be named later will tweet it out game day morning. Uh, you can count on that. You're right. Um, but look. You have a quarterback that they targeted in the offseason, and you're asking why. Why Joshua Dobbs? Well, okay, let's see. Uh, has a connection to Monty Asifor most recently with the Tennessee Titans. Before that, Drew Petzin and Israel Wolfork, the Cardinals' current quarterback coach in Cleveland, has a knowledge of the Cardinals' current system, making him a quick study and making it feasible and doable that he could be signed after the <laughs> camp was broken and the preseason concluded and that he has about two weeks to get ready for a regular season start and to become QB1 with a team he's never played on before but because he has knowledge of the system plus there's what Jonathan Gannon told the media in terms of the sort of quarterback they wanted when he said you know we like a guy who's going to work in the pocket and outside the pocket I thought that was most telling as to why they among other things, moved on from a Colt McCoy. They value that in Clayton Toon. We've seen that. You, you've seen designed plays in the Cardinals' offense in public sessions utilizing the quarterback's legs, something you can't do with a soon-to-be 37-year-old Colt McCoy in his current form. These are all true stories. And again, it, when, when you're talking about fitting what they want to do, I mean, that plays part of it. I mean, dialing back, and I don't mean to get off the quarterback train real quick, but I think that came, you know, comes back to Isaiah Simmons and the Isaiah Simmons trade and having a guy fit on and off the field and doing the things on and off the field that you need him to do. And, and, and I think that's a major focus right now. If you're going to reset the roster, you might as well do the clean sweep right now and get everybody in here that you need, you think you need right now and – even if there's, you know, you, you might take a little bit of a talent hit in the short term to get to where you want to be roster-wise, that's what you do. And look, what everyone saw in the Kansas City preseason game, once again, true or false, we all saw throughout the offseason, we saw it in minicamp, you saw it in training camp practices, just wasn't comfortable or effective in space as a safety. Just wasn't a natural fit. In terms of a position. In fact, you could argue, and I've argued before, he's that ever rare five star athlete, elite athlete without a position. And unfortunately, it's a hard lesson learned that you don't draft just measurables. You have to draft the player. And if the player has measurables, great. But you don't just draft measurables thinking they'll be a player. And Isaiah Simmons. Checked all those boxes. And when the new staff came in and there wasn't a natural place to play him and he proved to be a liability in space and is a deep safety well what's left when he told the media that he told the coaches that he had no interest in playing linebacker now he said otherwise to the new york media yes he That's did what I was gonna bring up i mean look I, what else is he supposed to say if he's told he's gonna play linebacker is he gonna go to the media first chance he gets in new york and say yeah i still really wanted to play safety but that's where they put my, i mean you know that's what he's gonna say and we got into a conversation with drew stand about this because what i find intriguing is how in New York, they keep citing the Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator of the Giants, the Wink Martindale um, positionless player system that Isaiah Simmons would be ideally suited for because 
And I said, is that just a lot of median speak? What? And, and Drew Stanton said, no, that really is a hallmark of his defense, and his defense is known for being ultra unpredictable. You, you don't know what's coming from snap to snap, where the pressure is coming. It's incredibly aggressive. At times, it's ridiculously unsound. And he does, other than like the three or four defensive linemen, any of the other seven or eight players on the field can be dialed up in any way, in any form. So look, best of luck to Isaiah Simmons. But if it doesn't work in that sort of system, I don't see what his future in the NFL could be. It didn't seem to be a very good fit either in this system or in this culture. And because of that, you end up getting a seventh-round pick in return for the former eighth pick overall. There were a lot of fans who were upset over getting a seventh-round pick for your former first-round pick and Isaiah Simmons. And Darren, I'll let you touch on this because this was understandably a heavy topic in your mailbag. Of It, it feels similar to DeAndre Hopkins of... People wanted something for him. But I think this shows, by just getting a seventh for Simmons, what the rest of the league sees and thinks about this player. And the fact that Hopkins ended up where he did in Tennessee um, and now getting just a seventh for Simmons makes me feel like this front office is doing their due diligence due diligence and just because you know as a fan you're you're wishing you got more which I understand it seems like it's less about this front office not asking for more but more just coming to the realization of what the rest of the league thinks about these players that you're moving on from there's there's probably a little bit especially given the time of year there's probably a little bit of like well if you're trying to deal him is he going to be out there in the open market exactly what what would I need to give up if you're going to cut them anyways? And and if you look, the vast majority of the trades over the last week, nothing's okay. Trey Lance was a fourth, and that was because he's a quarterback. But almost all of them, you're not above a fifth. And like in the Josh Jones trade, obviously the Cardinals got a fifth, but still had to give up a seventh. And it was the vice versa for Josh Dobbs. They gave up a fifth, but they still got a seventh in return. So it's not like a full on fifth. And I mean, that's just that's what happens this time of year because you're you're trying to organize your roster. And look, I, I know and I don't want to spend a lot of time on Isaiah Simmons here at this point, but I, I know like he, he got the near one near sack on Aaron Rodgers and it got on on social media. And those who want to argue that this is what Isaiah Simmons should have been doing the whole time, see pass rush, see he should have been a pass rusher, using that as an example. By the way, he was going against a backup running back. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out over the season. I'm not saying he won't be successful if that's what he ends up doing, but the other thing you got to remember is now that we don't have him in our backyard, you're not going to see everything. You're going to see the highlights because that's going to be what goes right. around uh, social media. So you'll see what he does well. The question is, is what – is he not doing well? And that's that's going to be the ultimate tell. And that is a great reminder because you can bust out a lot of highlight plays from Isaiah Simmons. But if you go ask the coaches how many minus plays were there where he was a detriment to the defense, where he's a liability, wasn't in the right spot at the right time, a guy who was, quote, drafted to cover the tight end, that didn't work. Vance Joseph at the end of last season said he's not an off-the-ball linebacker. He proved not to be a safety. What is he? 
you know, other than edge rusher at this point, I'm not sure what you do with him. I had asked Monty Awesome for it when we got a chance to talk with him briefly after this trade out in Minnesota if declining Simmons' fifth-year option back in May was when the trade at least was on the table for other teams. And he said that it was an independent decision and they weren't based upon each other. And and while that might be true in the sense that they weren't deciding at that moment, we're going to trade him when we get the chance, I think it is a clear indication that they didn't feel like his skill set fit in with this defense and this team and what they wanted moving forward. And look, the only contention I would have or just surmise, what would he have fetched in a trade back in April around draft time? And if he only would have received a day three pick back then, then why not give it a shot in your system with your coaches yeah. and see if you can unlock some of that potential I, I think it was and athleticism? Too, I think it was too early back then with the new coaching staff. I mean, we all wanted to see what it was going to look like uh, with a new coaching staff with Isaiah Simmons since it didn't work with the other one. But again, that that brings me back to where we are now. Like, Isaiah Simmons hasn't fit now essentially with two different coaching staffs and two different schemes. Like, I, I, I think that says something. We'll see in week two. Home opener. So on that Thursday, you had the Isaiah Simmons trade to start the day. Then you had the Josh Jones trade midday. And then after the second joint practice a few hours later that evening, boom, Josh Dobbs comes over from the Cleveland Browns. Changing everything. Was that Paul. a busy day for you, Darren? It was. It went quickly, let's put it that way. It was a day, there's no doubt. So yeah. now coming back into the uh, quarterback room, you know, and getting into Minnesota, this is just my belief. You guys saw the practices as well. And what I said on the air, I'll say again, Cole McCoy did nothing to slam the door shut on the QB competition on that Wednesday and Thursday. In fact, if anything, it probably made the decision makers wonder, okay, the urgency, the impetus is now to make that trade. Something they had considered, obviously, and had reviewed and done the homework on Josh Dobbs throughout the offseason. And then in turn, the Cleveland Browns had a stellar camp from fifth-round rookie Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and they felt comfortable with putting him as the backup to Deshaun Watson, thereby making Josh Dobbs expendable. So I don't know if it was a chicken and the egg, the Browns or the Cardinals, or who all of a sudden they were willing to do the deal, but at that point it was consummated. And for those wondering of when you say, Paul, seeing what you saw in those joint practices, between day one and two, the team, the offense as a whole, was much slower, a lot flatter on day one. You saw it look better on day two, but Colt McCoy specifically, just the throws were off, some of the decisions were questionable, it just felt like the timing with him was off. And again, I feel like it's a combination when you're talking about bringing Dobbs in. Yes, Colt McCoy did not do anything to push himself further along as your starting quarterback. Clayton Toon, I think, did enough to prove he could be a number two. But I think there was still enough shown in those preseason games that he just doesn't seem ready, whether with the speed of the game, some of his throws, he's talked about his footwork and some of those high passes. He, he put enough shine out there to where you can say, okay, with you know some time and some reps, right? we can mold him into the type of player we want to be. He can be a good backup QB right now, but it doesn't seem like Clayton Toon was ready to come and just be your week one starter. Again, because now that Kyler Murray we know is starting on Pup, it's not just you would be riding with Toon for two weeks, right? We're talking minimum four weeks, likely more. So I see why you'd bring in Dawes, but you're right. Colt McCoy just 
and we knew this just at his age and how long he's been in the league is there's not as much juice in the arm, not very mobile, which is what this staff is looking for. But I mean, like it's, it's still unfortunate, just his mind and what he's able to see in the game and how many different schemes he's been in and, you know, how he's able to read the defense and every single player at every position has named Colt McCoy specifically when talking about somebody who helps you learn and understand things better and in a different way. And he's been described as a coach. So you're still losing something in that quarterback's room and in this team as a whole in the meeting rooms and out on the field. It just doesn't fit with what this coaching staff is looking for. Look, according to reports, he's already had offers. His agent has already fielded offers. I could easily see a Colt McCoy going to the Rams. He's very tight with Sean McVay from the Washington days. And Stetson Bennett stunk up the joint in his final rookie preseason game. I could definitely see him backing up with Matthew Stafford with the L.A. Rams. Would not be shocked to see that happen. But I think what was also most telling was that and we all saw it, is that Cole McCoy would take a rep or a series and then Clayton Toon would come in and run with the ones. And it looked different. Not only would Clayton Toon maybe escape the pass rush that would have sacked Colt McCoy, but Toon had more juice on the throws, as Darren said. He was going downfield a lot more, a lot more of a, a chunk passing attack. So in some ways, those joint practices served the exact objective that Jonathan Gannon held when he scheduled them and that is let's get a regular season read on our team and what they would have found out I firmly believe in September with Cole McCoy they found out in August that he wasn't the same quarterback as he had been most of the rest of earlier in his career and so in a way it did him a favor I think it accelerated the discovery phase, if you will. Where is Cole McCoy and what you saw against Brian Flores' defense, which was running around a regular season schemes, aggressive, bringing the blitz with starters out there, not twos and threes like you get in the preseason. You realized, okay, um, guess what? The time is now to make a move for Josh Dobbs. I guess I kind of look at it. I, I think it's it's kind of like talking about how Isaiah Simmons, the Kansas City game, ended him. I, I, I think – I do believe – I do believe the the coaches when they talk about, or even Monty when he talked about, it, it's kind of a culmination of everything. I I agree that probably showed them something. I'm guessing they were already kind of leaning yeah. in that direction, just like they were already leaning towards moving on from Isaiah Simmons before the Kansas City game. And Drew Stan pushed back on that as well. There's no doubt, Darren. You guys are in the same camp. And the fact they did homework and really pursued Josh Dobbs earlier in the offseason would tell I, I you. Don't, I don't want to feel. I don't you want know, you to feel like right. me and Drew are, are ganging up on you, Paul. <laughs> But I, I would say on the Isaiah Simmons, I don't think the KC film ended him. It may be for people who don't see the Cardinals on a daily basis, and it's no fault of their own. You're not out there at practice. But what you saw in the KC game, the coaches and talent evaluators saw plenty of in the offseason, in mini camp, yeah. in training camp. The guy just didn't look natural in space and didn't seem to be fluid at safety. And definitely, You forget when Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson are on the field, how many touchdown-saving tackles they make. And when you get another lesser safety out there, whether it was anybody who was in the, running with the twos or threes, I mean, look, I, I'm just going to use an example. He wasn't the only guy, but like in the game against Denver, when Andre Sachere missed a couple of tackles in space, tackles that Buda and Jalen Thompson make almost routine. Andre Sachere did not make the team, by the way, Paul. Exactly. 
and you realize the value of a deep safety who does exactly that. He is your safety valve. Are you saying this team is not as safe when Buda Baker and Jalen Thompson are out on the field? Not out on the field? I'm definitely saying that. I like how she grabbed her microphone, gripped it. I was excited about that one. I was waiting for Paul to finish so I could squeeze that in there. Should we say, though, that this team is in need of another safety? Is Javante Moffitt long for this roster? Because if Jalen Thompson is your top nickel corner, which could be the case, and teams go into three and four wide, three, four, five, and five wide, and then all of a sudden you're going into nickel or dime and Jalen Thompson drops into the slot. You have Buda Baker and who's your other safety? I mean, so, I do think they need a safety. Right. I mean, this this coaching staff likes Moffitt. Here's the thing is I feel like we've just rewound. How many months are we out from April? April, five months, right before the draft we were talking about the needs, looking at the depth. It's like, yes, I agree that they should find another safety. But they also have a lot of other positions after these initial cuts that are more pressing. So it's hard to it's hard to say, yes, they need a safety when that's true. But there are more pressing positions that need to be addressed after this first round of cuts. Such as center. Well, yeah. Yes, absolutely. John Gaines being out for the season is, I mean, I think Froholt's done a nice job, but you need to have somebody behind well, him. And right now they don't. Right, because Pat Elfline is not on IR, which would have kept him out all no, year. No, he is, on, he is IR. on IR. Yeah, he's done. He's out all year. Yeah. Both of them. So in your power pole of needs, if you're Monty Massenfort, I mean, center, backup center, asked to supersede backup safety at this point. At the very least, you could put Antonio Hamilton at nickel and then use Jalen well, yeah, Thompson and Buda Baker at safety. They did keep well, five cornerbacks, so, like, I don't know if Jalen Thompson is going to play nickel. Well, I, I'm curious because, you know, we saw Lasita Smith play a little bit of center last year, but he was – one of the initial cuts. And he so, played a little bit in Minnesota in that game. So I don't, I don't know what the thought is there because it's what, what would you do? Bring him to the practice squad. That doesn't help your well, it situation. Does, it might in the short term. In the short term. So that that's a possibility. But center might be your most – I mean, you also don't currently have a long snapper. But I would roster. also very much argue that if Lasita Smith made them comfortable as a potential backup center, you just keep them. Right. I mean, you, you, you went down to 52 with your initial cuts – um, there, if you if you liked Lasita Smith, why wouldn't you keep him on your regular roster rather than expose him right. to the practice squad yeah. in the short term at yeah. least? I mean, I'm guessing Lasita Smith wasn't going to get any snaps at center until John Gaines went down in the first offensive play of the Maybe. game for the Cardinals. You know, by the way, here's a random question: Why doesn't a center, any center on any team, learn how to long snap? And you can save. That used to be. It used to be that. That's how it right. was done. You can save your team a roster spot. You know how much value you would bring if you were a, a starting center in this league, but, but you, you also long snap, or even a backup center who could long snap. You're you're also talking about. It's funny because I've I've had conversations. The the evolution of special teams is really really interesting. If you go back to like the seventies, like the starting center was your long snapper. But they didn't care as much. I mean, if you go back to the 70s, if a guy was making half of his field goal attempts, you were okay with it. I mean, look at look at the field goal percentages yeah. back then. Right. I remember talking to Todd Haley when he was the offensive coordinator here, and his dad uh, was in the Pittsburgh organization. Yeah. Oh, phenomenal. He was he was responsible for a lot of those Hall of Famers yes. drafted in the 70s. Yes, and, and he was in their personnel department. So Todd Haley spent a lot of time around the Steelers when he was growing up. And Chuck Knoll, Hall of Fame coach, won all those Super Bowls, great teams, did not care about special teams. Todd, uh, Todd Haley would say that like 
it, it would be incredible. Like they literally would put no effort into special teams at practice. And if you go back and look at some of those great Steelers teams of the seventies and a couple of those years, the reasons they lost a couple games were directly on the special teams. Their offense was fine. Their defense was phenomenal, but they didn't put any effort in special teams. So they'd miss a field goal or they, they'd muff something. And they just, people care about the yeah. special teams a lot well, more true. now. Hey, ask the green Bay Packers two years ago in the NFC championship game, right? When they had the punt blocked right near their own end zone, right? Otherwise, the Niners don't advance, don't beat the Packers in the playoffs. So, yeah, it, it can still happen. By the way, I'm thrown because I just realized Chris Boyd made this roster. Yes. I did not quite comprehend that. Wow. I did He's not... good on special teams, though, and you got to wonder about like yeah. him and Ezekiel Turner. There's a couple guys here that you would think, okay. Yeah. Zeke Turner and Owen Papo made this team. I thought it was one or the other. But it's special teams, I'm guessing. I'm guessing, yeah, special teams. The, all those guys help with special teams. And Papo is a guy that – it's funny that you bring up Isaiah Simmons earlier in the measurable. Right now, Papo is, hey, he's got measurables. Let's see if he can play football. I, you know, I, we were calling the game, and I had half an eye on, on Owen Papo at one point, and he wasn't getting off blocks all that well. He's, I think he's a work in progress. I think with his, with his athleticism and talent – he would have been a lot higher than the fifth-round pick if he had been able to show a lot in college. Other roster decisions I didn't see coming, Blake Whitehart beating out Noah Tongiai, but it goes back to a premise we've advanced many times, which is if you got a young guy and or rookie and it's real close with the veteran, guess what? They're going with the player who has the future, the future upside, because the future is now. So when you talk about that, when you talk about a Daniel Arias who – didn't do a lot in the preseason that stands out to my recollection nearly had a great catch over the middle in Minnesota and then left the field banged up nicked up a little bit but he has that great size and there's a lot of potential there for now he's one of six wide receivers to make this team I didn't quite see that coming uh, what else anything else stand out as surprises I mean you you kept seven outside linebackers not necessarily a full-on surprise, but cutting running back Corey Clement, um, who looked good in the preseason, good in special teams. However, if you're, you know, Keontae Ingram looked great and what we saw of him in the preseason. So if James Connors your one, Ingram's your two, and what you're talking about, you like Corey Clement and you like the undrafted rookie in Amari DiMercato, you're going to go with Di Mercado in that sense. I'm curious why you think seven outside linebackers is a lot in a 3-4. No, I, I guess not. I just I guess it's more the names than anything. Like a Victor Dimukeji and a Jesse Lucetta, I see them as very similar players. Um, Jesse Lucetta can play fullback. Yeah, that's true. We learned that I mean, in Minnesota. I, I think some of that is injury-related, too, um, because Dennis Garduck is dealing with a knee injury. We don't know what MyJ Sanders is going to do with his hand. And B.J. Ojolari is not ready to ramp it up all the That's way true. yet. And the other thing we don't know as we record this is if they make waiver claims, they're going to have to start cutting some of these guys. So it might be one of those yeah. dudes. No, that's a good job of drilling a little deeper with the MyJ Sanders, Dennis Gardeck injuries. You're right, B.J. Ojolari, late start to camp, no question about it. D-line, seven. Are they light there? Don't you at least go into a season with eight D-linemen? Or is seven about right? If you're you're a three-four and you could probably play Cam Thomas down there once in a while if if need be. 
Mm-hmm. I don't. I think seven sounds about right. I feel like they've kept six last year, maybe. Well, I would say just taking. I mean, uh, Ben Stilley, uh, Kevin Strong. Better keep your head on a swivel. I mean, I'm not sure. You know, I'm not sure what's going to come available. I've heard they like Kevin Strong. Okay. Though. All right. Like I, I think it's funny because some of the guys we might be thinking might mm-hmm. be the first out the door might not be it. It might be yeah. somebody else. Yeah. So, so there's all that. But once again, getting back to the whole quarterback situation, uh, David. I like Blau. how you keep bringing it all the way well, back. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, it's like in sports radio. What do they say? Play the hits. Keep there coming back go. to the top story. There you go. So with the whole quarterback situation, um, you know. The Clayton Tune, and, and, and look, you guys know my affinity for the fifth-round rookie and the whole let the rook cook, and I was all about Clayton Tune, but... Now you're feeling a little sheepish about it, aren't you? Well, to Danny's point, yeah, when he was looking left and the safety blitz was coming from the right and the strip sack and he fumbles the ball at the five, you realize, okay, not quite regular season ready. Now, at some point, he's going to need regular season reps, but there's no doubt it's going to benefit him to watch from the sideline if what happens is what we expect and Josh Dobbs is your week one starter. At the very least, you got to figure that Dobbs has seen enough that he won't fall victim to something like that, right? To a defensive coordinator dialing up something exotic, which Clayton Toon had never experienced before. At least Josh, Josh Dobbs has been there and done that and seen it on film and you would think would have the wherewithal in the game once behind center to recognize it. Not having Colt McCoy in that room makes it all the more important for Kyler Murray to step up as a leader and as a mentor and to help these quarterbacks in the room and meetings when they're going over film, when they are on the sideline. Not to say that he wasn't necessarily doing that before, but that was a big role that Colt took on. And so now that it's the three of them, and Kyler Murray is your starting quarterback, he's the most experienced, especially since he's not playing and he's going to be on the sideline, he's going to have to step up and, and help Dobbs and help Clayton Toon make sure they're understanding what the defense is showing them and, and what's going on and really make, make, take, a, take on that leadership role and, and fill in there. The one thing that's irritating for people who are not around the team, and I'm talking mainly about the national media and a narrative that has emerged, especially in the last 24 hours, that somehow cutting a Colt McCoy equates to tanking or not taking. Yeah, the, I thought that was kind of interesting. For those folks who saw what we saw, the move was made to improve the play at quarterback, to actually get better at quarterback. And that's what you're hoping, yes. That's what you, At least that's the objective that Josh Dobbs, for the reasons that Jonathan Gannon elaborated on just a little bit, the ability to play in and outside the pocket, to have no question about his arm strength, to have knowledge in the system and game experience, if you were all about tanking, quote-unquote, you know what? You would have been better off just going with Clayton Toon as your starter you would have been better going off with the Colt going with the Colt McCoy that we saw in Minnesota if you would have stuck with him as opposed to making a move in the interest of improving the quality of play at quarterback so to me and from what i've seen that narrative couldn't be any more wrong when it relates to the quarterback position and what was just executed i would agree that the narrative couldn't be more wrong because i, I don't understand the thought process with all due respect to Cole. Like, I don't think that's where he was in his career. Now, that being said, 
I don't think it's a lock that you're better. You're trying, you might be trying to get better. You don't know. I don't know that Josh Dobbs is necessarily going to give you more on the field than Colt McCoy is going to. I have a feeling Josh Dobbs and Colt McCoy might be able to do more. I understand Clayton Toon has got more physical gifts. I, I, the, the, the blind side, or it wasn't the blind side. It was to his open side. He just didn't see it. I mean, that, that was a blitzer that I'd be curious to know. He took, to his credit, he took responsibility for not seeing it. That's what I was thinking that maybe he missed the hot read. I don't know. I saw somebody on social media, some analysts make the point that the Cardinals had enough blockers for that play including the blitzer they just didn't communicate and i don't know who's that who is that on was that on the the third team center at that point because Gaines had already been out and Frohol wasn't playing like yeah, that's maybe. the other problem is you can't how much can you really judge out of the Minnesota game when right. yeah. <laughs> who was playing i'll tell you this much Clayton Toon got a lot of valuable experience much more than a typical preseason when Vance Joseph blitzed him in the first game Steve Spagnola blitzed him in the second game against Kansas City you know Brian Flores came after him both in the two joint practices and in the game itself so I think there were a lot of valuable reps that he got beyond a typical preseason the rookie Clayton Toon but in the name of not having him end up like a Sam Darnold who ends up losing a game early in his rookie career and then tells the media I was seeing ghosts out there quote unquote I get it there, there's a serious downside to putting a rookie quarterback out there too soon and so okay uh, you're going to bring in a, a Josh Dobbs. On the other hand, if indeed there is a future for Clayton Toon in this league, he's going to have to learn on the job. <laughs> Peyton Manning went 3-13 and as a rookie and set an NFL record for interceptions thrown by a rookie. Troy Aikman went 1-15 and and got pummeled okay, I, his rookie year, and they both ended up in the Hall of Fame. So future not Hall every, of Famer, Clayton Toon. I know I'm saying it's not every quarterback ends up in <laughs> shambles because they had to play early in their career. I would like to know. I would like some better comparisons. No offense. Than two, I, 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 gave no you, and, no, 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 I gave you two opposites. I gave you Sam Darnold on one end, and I gave you two Hall of Famers on the other. Okay, you, you did. Mm-hmm. But you also... The, the two that rallied were number one overall picks, and even Sam Darnold was third overall. How about we talk about a fifth-round pick that had to play early and, and how that went? And, that, and that's the thing. No no, no offense to Clayton Toon, but it just doesn't – the Tom Brady stuff usually doesn't happen, you know? I guess my point, put it to put it another way, if a player has it, they have it. I don't know if their early experiences as a rookie – proves to be that fateful like if Brock Purdy would have been the Niners starter from week one would he been a shell of his eventual self just because he eventually started week 10 or 11 I mean are we thinking Brock Purdy would it would have come out there and stunk up the joint and never made it out past Halloween if he would have been a week one starter versus starting sometime in November I don't know it looks like he can play period I'm not saying there isn't benefits to sitting on the sideline and watching as a rookie and because nothing you see in the preseason is going to resemble regular season all that much, except, like I mentioned, there were instances where a Vance Joseph, a Steve Spagnuolo, and Brian Flores lit him up like a regular season scheme. It'll be interesting on the tune. I mean, the Purdy stuff, you drop Purdy into a perfect situation for a quarterback between who his play caller is and the roster they have around him and how they run an offense. 
That's number one. Um, the other thing is, and I saw this again, there are still some people waiting to see how Brock Purdy plays this year and whether he caught lightning in a bottle last year or if he's really that guy. And what did Brock Purdy have? The ultimate balanced offense, the Kyle Shanahan run game. He has the best left tackle in the game and Trent Williams. I mean, there were a lot of things benefiting a rookie quarterback for the 49ers last year that allowed him to excel. You can't subtract that from the equation. I guess to put another way, is Paris Johnson Jr. ready for Chase Young? Is Keytrell Clark ready for Terry McLaurin? Is Michael Wilson ready for, quick, somebody name the top cornerback for the Washington Do you team? Know if I don't Terry know. Terry McLaurin's even playing? He might not. He and, might not. And Chase Young is like, a shell of himself. Yeah, and, and not, not to take away from the importance of a right tackle or wide receiver, but it's different when you're a quarterback, right? It is. It so. is. The job description is it's much more vast <laughs> <laughs> and uh, than, than any other, I, I, any I other position. I, I, I get it. I don't disagree that game reps are the most important way for somebody like Clayton Toon to take their game to the next level, to see what you really have in him and, and to see those improvements at the speed in which you would like to. That's just not the situation that the Cardinals find themselves in. Um, I mean, we say this before the season starts. I mean, knock on wood, things could go horribly sideways early and you end up with Clayton Toon as your starting quarterback a few games into the season to see what you have before Kyler Murray comes back. I mean, we, we, we don't know. Bailey Zappi's out there, Paul. It's an option. <laughs> Trace McSorley's out there. As of this recording, oh the Patriots goodness. have one quarterback, one on the roster. Oh, you're starting the Tom Brady's coming back rumor. No, you? I'm just saying there's there's a lot of anomalies out there. That's all I'm saying. Okay, it's just uh, you know you can come to your own conclusions, people, and people are coming to those conclusions. There's no question That's about what it. We're here for to come yeah. to conclusions. Are you guys finally ready to admit that this offseason, especially after this last week, Isaiah Simmons, Colt McCoy, one member left of the 2020 draft class, Lucky Foe, too. Who played well. He did. In the preseason. He did. Those joint practices, he made the Vikings starting center, Garrett Bradbury, and those one-on-ones look stupid. There was a play on the second day of practice where Lucky ended up Making a little more contact with the running back <laughs> that I think that was a very nice the, way to the, say it, Danny. Then yeah. I think Body the slam. Vikings would have preferred, and so everyone kind of huddled around. It wasn't a fight; everyone kind of huddled around, and you could see Lucky. He basically did the emoji where your hands go up in the air and you're shrugging your shoulders, tilting your head, going, "Eh," <laughs> and that's what he did after that. Yeah. yeah. What are you gonna do? You know, that's exactly. The, or, the or more importantly, yeah. what are you going to do to me? I'm a huge human being. <laughs> that's right. I will say I was wrong. I thought that we were going to have a scuffle. Yeah, there was and no scuffles. There, there were zero. That None. was impressive. Um, it was disappointing. I don't know, impressive or disappointing. What was it? That's it was too tell, hot. There were no. It was. It the was first too, day, nobody was, was going to want to mess with it. It was too hot to be in someone else's face. I w- I'm just thinking now that Isaiah Simmons was traded, and I know we got the let the rook cook, which, eh. but uh, <laughs> wow, I'm like, okay. and and I and after seeing Andy Isabella got cut by the Bills again, oh man, that like, hurts. Now that's a cheap shot. Where, where out, we, out of where, nowhere, where an Andy Isabella nick- shot. We need a nickname no that's going to stick. No, I Andy. You had a nickname for somebody at training camp, did you not? I didn't think he did. Did he? Well. 
He was coming up with some of them, maybe. Let me ask or you he this. was changing Isaiah's name. Oh, that's what it was. Well, it was Isaiah the Intimidator. Oh, that's yes. right. That had a yeah. shelf life of about you five and a half days. You should come up with a nickname for Amari. No, don't, because you like saying oh. Amari DiMarcato. Well, well uh, let's no. make sure he's on no. the roster before well, we What I like saying <laughs> is Amari DiMarcato, pause. The Pauly Pigskin breakout player at camp. Hello. Was where? he one of your seven? Danny, where are my flowers? Where, where's that list where of they? the seven he players did, you had? How many made the roster? Paul. I did narrow it down to Amari DiMercato and Dante Stills, one did on you? offense, one on defense. And they okay. both made it for, job, uh, for now. Yeah. <laughs> for now. Are you two ready to come around to the fact that this calendar year, 2023, has basically equated to another Purge movie? I asked Jay Feely on the air, how have you not seen a single Purge movie? Because once again, there are five. The Purge, the Purge Anarchy, <laughs> the Purge Election Year, the First Purge, the Forever Purge, and now what will be known as either the Big Red Purge or the Purge Roster Reconstruction. Omo, can you, oh, I, can like you, I want that for Paul's intro when he reads off all the Purge. You like scary movies, Paul? I'm just saying this resembles – I've had to watch the Purge movies because of the 16-year-old punk. I don't know why he has an affinity for those movies, uh, but uh, – I don't like scary movies. I've been uh, force-fed I, the I Purge movies not. over the years. That doesn't do me a whole lot of mm. good. So I just thought it was an apt comparison to it, what we've it's seen. There. And it's And it's what's definitely yeah. happened for sure. I used to go I, with – you remember this, Darren. Okay. I'm going to throw you a bone over here. Uh, Ten years ago, Planet Orange, right? The whole marketing yeah. thing with oh, the Suns. I remember, yeah. But that was like a 20-win team, and then Steve Nash went away, and it was yeah. uh, in a state of disarray. And I went with Planet Orange Cones. Yes, I remember that. You did that a lot on the radio. A construction zone. There were, there were some groans, but you did yeah. do it. So uh, the team president of the Suns didn't appreciate it, as I found out once at a game. But anyway. Um, how, many, how many waiver claims do you think this team is going to make? Mm. No, I shouldn't say a, waiver claims. How many segue. waiver? I would have done the same thing. How um, many waiver players will they be awarded? Let's say that. At Over, least under three. Five? Oh. At least three, max no, of I, six. No, 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 no. Pick a number. I'll go four. I'll go three. I'm gonna go. I'm going five. Really? I think it'll be five. Okay. What do you know, Darren? I don't know anything. Hmm. Well, first of all, they haven't even put in the waiver claims yet because they don't do that until Wednesday morning. So I don't know anything. Going off the purge, though, Paul. <laughs> Thank you, Danny. Let's bring, let's bring it back to the purge. <laughs> Darren is just so oh, distracting. Yeah. Quarterback sometimes. purge. I think it's, I think it stems from, you just have a different philosophy now when it comes to your general manager, when it comes to what they're looking for in a draft, when it comes to the type of culture they're bu- they're building, and the head coach you brought in, and the type of player the type of play you want to see out on the field that the head coach is looking for it just feels really different so it makes sense to me that you would have a purge because in a lot of senses it kind of feels like a 180 from what was going on in this organization before in what way is there a way to capture that to express that I think it at least in my time here it was a heavy emphasis on older veterans proven finding a way to get them out here as opposed to maybe drafting those younger players that you could see as pillars for your organization. Um, the type of player you were bringing in, we've heard a lot about not having an ego, and I'm not saying that for any player specifically, but I just think the culture um, and the way that meetings are conducted and practice is held. Um, 
it just feels different. It, it feels, and, and look, we've talked about this, staff doesn't have an allegiance to the players who have been here before. It just kind of feels like less about, okay, you're a proven player. We know you're a veteran. You've been in the league for a long time. We're going to let you do your thing and just kind of work around. It, it doesn't feel like that at all. It feels like, okay, if you're not going to give us what we need, we're going to find someone else. I'm, I'm going to use as an example going back to the early part of the offseason with, with DeAndre Hopkins. I don't think this current uh, front office and coaching staff has any desire to have a player that, like, for instance, when he, before he got traded, would not show up but yet be doing all this media talking about his situation. Like, that, those kind of players aren't going to – I don't know. I, I, I have a feeling they probably would have moved on from DeAndre Hopkins anyways – but once he went on that tour and started talking about being other places, I mean, yeah. it's tough to have a guy in your team when he's already been talking about going all these other places. Or a player who didn't feel the need to practice every week with a team. You mean with DeAndre? Right. Yeah. Doesn't feel like that would fit well, what the staff is wanting to see from their players. Look at what we saw at training camp with this. Even guys that were hurt were dressing out every day. Yep. Guys that didn't practice for like two straight weeks were in uniform, dressing out, and sometimes, oftentimes, were even stretching. They didn't do anything at practice. In past years, they just would have come out later after a little bit of rehab and watched. They had to dress out. You you couldn't tell who was hurt most of the time because he made them dress out. I, I think that's absolutely a great point, Danny. It, it sort of ties in, too. The way I would best summarize it is the previous regime was all about game day. You come out 17 games a year. You ball out. We're good. We're good. Make sure you're ready to go when that ball kicks off. That's not enough for this current regime. you got to be all ball all the time. They're much more serious about everything. Even us, Paul. (laughs) Yes, they are. And... Well, and again, something that might not seem like a big deal, the players had the option of staying out at the hotel of training camp last year. Mm-hmm. Wasn't an option this year. Nope. Every player stayed out at the hotel. Things like that that might not seem big, but over time and throughout a season, they accumulate and they go towards the greater goal. Those two words, winning behavior, right? Team before me. So... By the way, the no allegiances, you brought that up. That was that was an earlier. That was another, you know, Calvisi consulting marketing mantra earlier. You know, why it didn't was, we? I give why you did, credit. Well, you know, we need to work that in somehow, Darren. Why Which you're waiting, one are we talking about? You're, you're waiting for the next nickname, and you're not even paying attention to what's been offered to date. No allegiances. Pay I was, attention, I was Darren. Promised, I said months I was, ago Paul, that. Paul has taken role to I, pay Bel- attention. Belichick has the no days off. Jonathan Gannon has no allegiances. I was promised a PowerPoint on all this, and I have not seen it, Paul. So, yeah, My assistant. My assistant's been uh, lacking here. So, uh, you know, we got a lot of stuff flying around here. In a lot of different ways. Okay. All right. So um, what else? Did we miss anything else out there? Joshua Dobbs coming full circle again. It's his job to lose. In our opinion. In our opinion. That's what we think. You're not going to make the trade, give up a fifth-round pick at the end of camp and bring in a guy who hasn't spent one snap with your team through camp or the preseason unless you have designs on playing him, right? You're not going to cut Colt McCoy unless he is the guy. 
right? I mean, you could have, if you were going to start Clayton Toon, you would have kept Colt McCoy, would you not? Mm, I don't necessarily subscribe to that, no. You would have gone and, and put out a fifth-round pick for strictly a backup quarterback at that point when a Colt McCoy or a David Blau could have been the backup a quarterback? A future third stringer when Kyler Murray comes back? Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway. Agree okay. to disagree. Okay. All right. So, Dan, are you going to be able to enjoy Labor Day weekend, or is your head going to be on a swivel and on Twitter all, all weekend long? With no, all we, the potential this is, this is, this roster is all, transactions. This is all going to be done by Thursday afternoon, okay. which is going to be lovely. Okay. All right. Which, what else is happening Thursday afternoon? Remind me, Darren. Larry Fitzgerald's birthday? Oh. I'm like, what are you talking about? Don't, uh, yes, Larry Fitzgerald's birthday is Thursday. Correct. Who else is having a birthday Thursday, Paul? Why is it escaping idea. me? Oh, interesting. How does that work, Darren? Do tell. I mean, <laughs> having know, a birthday. I just, I just, <laughs> are you, well, Paul, no, are my you, parents are, are, got together. Are you always on the Fitz birthday list? I mean, you know, because come on, Larry's having a birthday bash somewhere. Are you, you always extending an invitation just by association? How does that work? Uh, no, I, I don't think that's my, okay. my all time favorite one with that was we had there was there must have been a preseason game that we traveled on August 31st one year when Fitz was on the team <laughs> and I got to the plane and I think my youngest son was probably about 10 at the time 12 at the time and he texted me and he said hey dad I'm like yeah and he goes can you go wish Larry Fitzgerald a happy birthday for me <laughs> so since you're older does that mean that Fitz shares a birthday with you rather than vice versa he actually put on Twitter at one point at some we were arguing about not arguing, but it was one of those things where there was like multiple people. I think it had to do with, with that whole tattoo thing for a while. Oh, but yeah. he got into that and he goes, no, I, I, uh, I love Darren. We share the same birthday, even if he is 20 years older than me. And I'm like, hey, <laughs> it's only 19. Yeah. It's not 19. Mm. It's 13. <laughs> well, happy early birthday, oh, Darren. All right, we'll leave it at that. We got to, uh, you know, Darren has to get his props at the very end, and we don't want to have anything take away from that. Here to conclude, Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation.